welcome to the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and this is another episode from my car. I've decided that these are no longer supplemental. Um, they are just, uh, I, I kind of like doing them. I like doing these where I don't really have to be focused and have notes and things, and I can just kind of freeform it. Um, when I have something I want to talk about, I can just talk about it. Uh, I do plan on uh, recording these a little differently so that the sound quality is a little better. But you guys seem to be really supportive of it and um, really kind about it. I really appreciate it. Everything you guys do is awesome. The support you give with the books and the shirts and all that kind of stuff, the Patreon, and you know, and some of you that Venmo me, essentially a tip, which I love. <laughs> um, but I will be adding a new thing to the website here shortly, a service, so to speak, that will be interesting. I will be doing an episode on it to explain a little bit how it works. Um, I will be attempting to deliver to you something that I deliver on a daily basis to some of the people I work with. Um, but what I wanted to talk about was the idea of mantra recitation, what that looks like, um, and how you guys are already doing it, and you're doing it in a really uh, in a backwards way. Um, so just to give it some... Uh, to give you a little understanding here. Uh, so something happens. There's stimuli that occurs. It is filtered through our subconscious mind. Uh, our subconscious mind being our operating system, how we see the world, how we move through the world. Um, and then as this event or stimuli filters through the subconscious, the body responds to it. The body tightens up. The body does whatever, feels good, feels bad, whatever. And then the conscious mind steps in and it elaborates on uh, this feeling that is generated from the subconscious, um, which then results in the body tightening up again or feeling worse or feeling even better, right? Because it's the conscious mind is kind of, like, kind of doubling down on the feeling. And then we do something about it, right? We, um, we uh, do something about the way that we feel. That's why we do anything. You know, we um, are only, like, really just until we become aware, wake up a little bit, we're just satiating the body all the time. We are a slave to the senses, as Krishna would say, that it is, um, and not smell and hearing and sight, but more accurately, the nervous system, the way the nervous system feels, you know. And I'm a big believer in when we do not tax our nervous system, strain our nervous system, exert ourselves then the slightest little thing upsets us. This is why Hatha Yoga is such a, a good thing for a lot of people, you know, because a lot of people that would never normally tax themselves or exert themselves can do that, you know, gently in Hatha Yoga. Not everyone wants to run like a crazy person like I do. So, um, so that's what's happening. An event occurs, stimuli happens, the subconscious filters it out, sends a signal to the body, the body experiences a sensation, your conscious mind steps in, elaborates on the sensation, and then the body tightens up or responds even more, and then you quote-unquote do something about it, how you feel. So as a child, um, I was uh, experienced things that uh, set my subconscious mind up in such a way that I 
or my subconscious presented the world to me uh, through the lens of potential adversaries and potential threats. And since that was the case, my conscious mind really only thought thoughts that were centered around this idea of potential adversaries and potential threats. Um, I wasn't necessarily deciding to see the world that way. That's just kind of an adaptation, right? My mind was adapting to my circumstances. The thoughts, my conscious thoughts that I'm aware of were never like, oh, the world is safe and people are wonderful. In fact, it was the exact opposite. So my conscious mind is really only going to think thoughts in relation to my subconscious, right? And those conscious thoughts, when they are, when I go unaware of them, mindless of them, and I just feed into them with my behavior, if my conscious thought is that, you know, this person's dangerous, they're trying to thwart this, they're trying to hurt you this way, that way, the things that I do about that, the way that I feel is reinforcing my subconscious mind's idea that this is just potential adversaries, potential threats. Does that make sense? And that's how you end up with karma, right? The predisposition of the mind to attraction and aversion. Now I'm going to continue, ex continually experience the stimuli the way I always experience it as a threat or whatever because of the actions I do. Now let's say I become aware of my thoughts and I notice that I have these, my conscious thoughts are thoughts about being hurt and the world being dangerous and this is dangerous and that's dangerous, right? Then, um, then my actions are kind of, you know, going to be geared around that. Um, I'm driving past Trump's house and yet again, some Yahoo has slowed down to either take pictures or flick off a building. He's not home. Please keep driving. My God. So, <clears throat> these thoughts uh, are reinforcing the ideas in the subconscious. My behaviors are reinforcing the ideas in the subconscious. So, if I can become aware of my thinking, see my thoughts, decide to do something else about how I feel or not do something about it and allow myself to feel the stress, tension, sadness, anger, whatever and allow it to pass through me, like Krishna tells Arjuna, then I begin to change my karma. It's not so much about clearing karma as in good karma, bad karma, whatever. All we really do is change karma. Karma will always be there, right? In the Gita, Krishna mentions uh, Sankhya, I believe. He believes I about the Gita. And he talks about, um, you know, and, but with some, well, either way, Sankhya was this religion or philosophy or whatever that you just didn't do anything. You created no karma, so you did nothing. Like, you didn't step up bugs, you didn't breathe air, I guess. I don't fucking know. Um, so, back to this idea of mantra. Mantras changed the way my subconscious mind presented the world to me. For instance, a very easy one would be the Maha Mantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Ram, Hare Ram, 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 Hare Hare. Me chanting that over and over, thousands of times a day at times, right? It was that um, now my mind begins to uh, think in terms of Krishna, in terms of God. And um, so what's interesting is that, um, you know, like they say through repetitions of the holy name, you begin to essentially experience Krishna. 
And it's that you start to see the world through the lens of Krishna instead of what you were doing before. And that being the case, it gave, made me feel brainwashing, whatever, safer, better, happier. Uh, Prabhupada would always say that if you chant Hare Krishna for uh, 30 days, your life will change. And, you know, as much as I hate things like that, like, he's fucking right. Like, it, it changed me. It changed me completely. Um, I can remember my ex-wife going, you're just better now. No, she was you're just better than me now. I'm like, that's not what I'm trying to do here. But, um, but I was definitely changing. I would say that it has influenced a lot of things for me. So, but the point is, is I begin, my subconscious begins to work these, you know, you start reading about, you read the Puranas, you read the Srimad Bhagavatam, you read the Bhagavad Gita, and you start to see the world through this lens because you've now steeped your mind in these teachings and these ideas, right? Um, so things start to change. Now, let's talk about memes. <laughs> um, a lot of them are hilarious. I love a good meme. I laugh a lot at memes. Um, they're so clever and so funny, but these ones that you post about how crazy you are or how everything go, of course it went bad for me or, you know, this, your, you know, frantic Aries energy or whatever the fuck it is. Like, is that the energy you want? Because what I understand about personality, astrological shit, whatever, which is, you know, Hey, I'm not a fucking expert. But I know that like there's assets, there's deficits, and you can start leaning into the assets, loving the assets, and cultivating more assets, or you can just lean into these deficits, constantly reinforce that this is how it is in your mind. So something I want to pose to you, right? When you say something like, uh, for instance, this is going to be hard, but I can do it. A lot of people hear positivity in that. And it might relatively be positive compared to what you usually say, but I just want to point this out to you. Negativity bias or negativity effect is a very real thing in the human mind. It's not a fairy tale. It's real. And it served an evolutionary psychological purpose because if we were obsessed or you know overly concerned with negativity, we stayed alive, right? When there's jaguars and shit to worry about neighboring tribes and all these things then that stuff worked but now we have this nervous system that still believes we're being attacked by jaguars and leopards and shit and we're not like this is the easiest time in human history to stay alive nothing is chasing you so this is hard but i can do it the mind hones in on this is hard and so it begins to look for the pattern of this is hard you know, and that great Michael Beckwith quote I've used before, and I don't know that he's the only person that ever said this, but energy flows where the attention goes. When I'm talking about myself, um, uh, I'm a lot, but I'm really lovable. I'm a lot. I'm hard to handle, but I'm very lovable. You see, so I'm putting like, if I'm putting uh, attention on this I'm hard thing or I'm difficult to deal with or what like hard to deal with or whatever, then I start my mind, my subconscious looks for those patterns, right? It looks for patterns of that to be true. Essentially that it's like looking for an echo chamber or it's looking for confirmation bias so that it can continue to experience that because patterns are consistent and patterns are safe.
from an evolutionary standpoint, right? So it's almost like this is hard, but I can do it is super negative. Like I can do it also implies that you're not doing it. Uh, Neville Goddard would always say, I will be is a confession that I am not. When I say that I will be, I'm saying that I am not. And what, you know, those of you that have ventured down the manifestation rabbit hole on YouTube understand that the mind works on a delay. It took a long time. Like if you're somebody who's suffering greatly with your life choices and these things that I use choices in quotation marks and, you know, your life is difficult for you. Well, it took a minute to get there. This is something I tell clients all the time. Like it wasn't a 24 hour period that landed you in rehab. Like this took a minute. Like we, this was a slow burn and you looked up one day and you're like, Oh my God, this is unmanageable. What the fuck happened? You know, or your mental health fell apart. It didn't just like one day you went nuts and every, like you're just perfectly fine on Tuesday, Wednesday, you had a fucking mental break. And then Thursday you went to treatment. That's not what happened. This was a slow roll. And as this is going on, as things are not working out for you, as you are having a hard time, those around you in their own ignorant way, they don't mean to do it, are reinforcing this idea that you're this thing, that you are difficult, that you are this, you're that, then yeah, it starts to happen. For instance, my ex was a great person, um, a lovely person at one point. Um, But I would hear a lot of times that I'm a lot, that my equanimity is infuriating or whatever it is. And those things, they kind of stuck in my head, you know, and it made me a little self-conscious dating people. It made me feel like, well, you know, I got to like temper this. I got to dampen that because, you know, I don't want to scare this person away with who I am. Well, that doesn't make sense because, you know, if like I need to love who I am so that I can show that to them because what I've found over time you know, through dating some very gracious ladies that were very kind to me, them saying, no, I like it when you're like that. Right. Um, at one point, uh, I was watching a documentary with somebody that was seen and I was like, Oh, you know, this other thing. And I like kind of elaborated on what they were saying on the documentary. It was something I happened to know a lot about. And I was like, I'm sorry. I sound like a fucking know it all. And she was like, no, she's like, I like this about you. She's like, I like that you know all of this shit and I want you to share it with me. And so through the grace of these people, they were very kind to me. I, you know, began to let go of some of the ideas that I was this, you know, crazy vibrating idiot that like, you know, drives people nuts. I'm not going to drive the right person nuts, right? The right person doesn't think I'm annoying. The right person likes me the way I am. Um, even if it's not the right person for very long, if it's the right person for a short period of time, whatever. Um, point being that we kind of exist within a mantra. If you think of the word mantra, meaning mind protection or mind tool, it's protecting your mind against anything that is outside of what this mantra is saying. Right? Um, so like if you chant Chinreze's mantra, Tibetan Buddhism, Omane Padme Hom, you are, that's the mantra of compassion. So you're kind of protecting your mind against things that are uncompassionate or not compassionate, right? You're protecting your mind against that. Hopefully you're protecting yourself against your own judgments, you know, that you're cultivating compassion for yourself as well. Um, 
I hope that makes sense that you know, that's all we're really trying to do. But when you constantly reinforce these ideas about ourselves, it's not good. You know, the fact that like, it's one of those things and I get it. It's funny and it's so hard because, because funny things are funny. I, all I do is laugh at shit. I love comedy. Um, I love, I started watching Bill Burr's new special. It's fucking hilarious. The thing I love about comedy is that it pokes fun at the things we're not supposed to poke fun at. We can all just kind of laugh at it and move on. Um, doesn't mean we become misogynistic racists. It just means that we get the joke. Um, you got to be able to do both. Can't be all or nothing thinking. That's not going to help you. Um, but, you know, there are things about me that while I think they're funny, you know, and it could be annoying, I also see them as assets. It's not all or nothing. It's that I love this about me. Can it be annoying? Absolutely. But it's also one of my greatest assets. And so I'm just, I've just, you know, decided to live with it. It's just, this is how I am, you know? Um, but mainly it's like when someone, you know, these memes about their, your, you know, how annoying you can be or, or this, or it's so just stop it. Like, that's how you're going to experience yourself and you're going to experience the world through the lens of somebody that thinks this about themselves. That's not going to be good. You know, I just consider how often you, you do this, how much time you spend doing this, you know, um, anybody that's listened to this podcast has heard me, you know, be very self-deprecating at times, you know, um, and I am very self-deprecating, but I think a lot of times, uh, I know that at work I do it because I do feel self-conscious about, well, you know, I, if you know me, uh, I can present as very arrogant, um, and I wouldn't say I do. Okay. I do have some arrogance, right. But I also have a lot of like self doubt and things like that. And so in a way it's like, look, um, I can't sacrifice my own self-esteem to make you comfortable. The people that love me think that, you know, they know that I can be that way, but they love me anyway. And no one, you know, we just kind of, you know, move along with it. Right. Um, I have a lot of great close friends. Um, I can seem like I know what I'm talking about all the time. And, you know, obviously if there's books and podcasts involved, clearly I think I'm onto something, but I'm not telling you something new. I'm just couching everything in a way that's different. Um, but yeah, there is some confidence there, but it's more like I'm confident in the things my teachers taught me. Not so much that I thought of all this shit. <laughs> that's not what's happening. Um, uh, I do a trauma therapy for people called rapid resolution therapy, and I'm very confident in that. Um, so would you rather, if you were sitting across from me and wanted me to like clear your PTSD, you wanted me to work with this thing you've been carrying around with you for over 20 years, you want me to be confident or do you want me to like sit here and be like, oh, I sure hope this works. Like, is that what you want? What do you want? No. So I don't know, man, but I'm going to lean into my assets a bit more, you know, even more so. I don't know. 
Um, we're all out here just having a human experience and getting through it. Um, I love being a person. It's an interesting time. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. I think that um, I see these as kind of journaling, journaling, journal, uh, journal uh, installments or fucking whatever you call it. So maybe these are now journals. Call it a journal. I don't know. Um, anyway, if you want to support me in doing all this stuff and help me out, you can do that through purchasing books. The third one is on its way, and it's my favorite. I, I like it so much. Usually, I'm really self-conscious about the things that I write, and I mill over them a lot, but and I'm like, uh, you know. But, like the other books, it's like I just have to let go and just be like, this is what I wrote, here you go, right? But this one, I really, I really like it. I think that um, I'm getting a lot of things off my chest. I'm talking about things that I want to talk about. Um, I'm very happy with it. But, you know, you could support me by buying any of the two books that are out. Any of the t-shirts. Um, I have all these new t-shirt designs, but I'm having trouble with um, Store Envy and Printful talking to each other. I don't fucking know. And it's like you talk to, you call Store Envy and then they tell you it's Printful's fault. Printful tells you it's Store Envy's. I don't fucking know. If you've got any ideas, I'd love to hear about them. Um, <laughs> you can help me with that shit. That'd be great. Uh, anyway, um, I love you. Uh, call me. Um, you know, a, a lot of you know that if you send me your phone number, I will be texting you and we will probably talk on the phone. We're old friends. Um, we can talk. Don't, you know, don't make it weird. All right. Bye-bye.